Hello, welcome to the UCL News Podcast. I'm Claire. And I'm George. Sad news this week, as this is the last pod before Easter. But luckily, we've got some tasty audio treats for you this week. As on the show, we've got the Petrie Museum's Tracy Golding talking about some of their most famous exhibits. And we also head over to UCL Engineering's Makespace to chat to Mark Miodovnik about materials and the importance of making. We've also got Dave with us in the pod today, who will be filling us in on some important news from the UCL Cancer Institute. Hi, Dave. How's it going? Hello. Very good. Thank you. Hello Dave. Hi. Um, But first, it's Brain Awareness Week this week, which is something that we like to celebrate as there are so many neuroscientists at UCL. So on Tuesday, the Lunch Hour Lecture Series included a lecture from Mark Lithgow, who took his audience on a tour of the greatest brain of the 20th century, Albert Einstein's. Mark discussed whether Einstein's brain was extra special and what this research can tell us about genius. The lecture will be available shortly to watch online. Check out Lunch Hour Lecture's YouTube channel. Um, And coming up on Friday, the British Library and UCL Neuroscience are hosting The Performing Brain, A Moving Story, which aims to bring neuroscientists, musicians and dancers together to explore how we adapt and learn new abilities. So next up, we've got Dave here who um, attended a press conference at Cancer Research UK headquarters about some very interesting research published in the New England Journal of Medicine last week. Yep, that's right. It was based on new research from Professor Charles Swanson at UCL's Cancer Institute Um, and he basically found that taking a sample from just one part of a tumour probably doesn't give us a full picture of its genetic landscape. So Charles and the team carried out the first ever genome-wide analysis of kidney cancer samples to look at the genetic variation between different regions of the same tumour and they found that the majority of gene faults, around two-thirds, weren't found in other biopsies from the same tumour. There were actually more genetic differences between the biopsies than there were similarities. And the reason that that's important is because it helps to explain why personalised cancer treatments, which are targeted using information from just a single biopsy, haven't been more successful. It's really, really interesting work, and especially considering how much easier kind of gene sequencing is now, it seems that we really could improve the success rate of personalised cancer medicine, which is obviously a great Mm, thing. Yeah, CRUK taking that one quite seriously Mm. as well. Um, Lastly, we've got some excellent news from UCL Engineering. Last week, the Engineering and Physical Sciences Research Council announced an award of £18 million to three projects in the faculty. Um, The aim of the funding is to help UCL Engineering make a major impact in the fields of information and communications technology to meet increasing demands for more automation and more data. So keep an eye out for some of that coming up in the future. Definitely. So while that's all the news for this show, stay tuned to hear more from UCL Engineering as last week Claire popped down to the department's new make space to make some chain mail and chat to Mark Mirdovnik. So Mark's basically started up this space with the idea that he wants to raise the awareness of the importance of materials and making. And once finished, it's going to be it's going Yeah, to be it's brilliant. going to be a new building in Malik mm. Place. So that's I think that's opening next year. Yeah, lots of glass and steel and the idea is you can look in and see people making stuff so that's going to be really cool but before we hear about the wonders of making chainmail we've got a new segment to introduce here at UCL we've got some pretty amazing museums so over the next few months we're going to feature some of the beautiful bizarre and frankly brilliant objects in the Grant Museum of Zoology the Petrie Museum of Egyptian Archaeology and the Art Museum So to kick everything off this week, I went to speak to Tracy Golding, the Visitor Services Officer at the Petrie, to find out more about ancient Egypt, Sudan and some of the wonderful antiquities tucked away in the museum. 
My name is Tracy Golding. I'm the Visitor Services Officer at the Petrie Museum of Egyptian and Sudanese Archaeology. And basically my role involves um, welcoming, um, greeting and helping visitors, all visitors on site. So we got the Tarkin dress here. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about this object, please? Well, it's quite an impressive um, item. It was found by Petrie, but he himself was unaware of the find. Um, and it remained wrapped up in newspaper for a number of years. After his death, it took a, a then-student, now a lecturer on textiles, Rosin Janssen, to unravel it. And it's known as a Tarkan dress. It's pretty amazing, just under or just over 5,000 years old. Um, some impressive details, Phoenix uh, feature, and a crimping effect at the top, which I call the wash and go you can go to places like Marks and Sparks, Portobello Road, Camden even and get something very similar. So the tunic is made of linen um, and quite a lot has rotted away because it is organic um, but when you look at it um, you see these uh, vertical lines it does appear as if it's dirt but it's not it's silver grey thread. Okay so in its entirety a much longer tunic than we see here um, and there's evidence of it having been worn because there is perspiration staining on the underarms and also after close examination uh, crease marks at the elbows um, so quite an impressive number okay so we have what is referred to as the rat trap found by Petrie. I believe this is a very significant find because um, to date I think this is the only one that has been um, identified. Uh, and Petrie initially um, identified it as a chicken coop. Uh, but later, uh, a visitor, I believe, to the museum looked at the piece and he suggested um, on the basis of um, um, activities of catching vermin, <laughs> rats in Egypt today, that it was indeed a rat trap. And next to it, we have uh, a donated replica. Um, so quite interesting piece because it does open up uh, life in the ancient world and make it even more real to us today. Today we're making chainmail, which um, originally started out as a type of armour used um, as early as the, the Romans and perhaps some um, tribes before then, etc. Um, but its heyday was in the Middle Ages, both in Europe and in the East, in India and Japan predominantly. Um, so we're looking at how to make both the traditional armour, both Eastern and Western, and all sorts of um, ornamental patterns for chains and chokers and bracelets and necklaces and all sorts of things. My name is Antonio Garcia and I'm the community coordinator for the Makespace. Uh, the Makespace is a, an initiative by the Faculty of Engineering for UCL students and staff, both uh, academic and non-academic and alumni, to provide a space and equipment to allow just freeform creation. Um, it's very much if you've heard of the, the maker movement and hacker spaces and these sorts of things. It's very much along the similar lines as that. So the idea is to get a sort of cross-pollination, if you will, of people of all sorts of different disciplines and to provide essentially uh, a communal workshop for people to just build stuff because it's fun. Today I'm working on chainmail. I tried hand uh, winding some of my own rings because they've got a lovely pretty red wire that I wanted to try some of. So I wound some of my own, 
cut them up and I'm just trying to do a Japanese style weave. I don't have a lot of time so I'm going to just make a little piece, maybe some like hand jewellery or something small and dainty. It is very easy to make. Um, you basically get wire and you make rings from the wire and then um, the rings you stitch together in various patterns. It's, a sim it's very similar actually to knitting and that knitting is taking wool and putting it together in certain configurations and it's a very repetitive series of steps. I'm Mark Miodovnik, I'm a material scientist uh, from the Mechanical Engineering Department at UCL and the director of the Institute of Making. Yeah, I mean universities um, traditionally have done a lot of um, thinking and a lot of writing and, and sometimes you can persuade yourself that thinking and writing and talking about those things is the full complement of intellectual activities. But actually making, making is a way of thinking too. And I think that's really what the key is to the make space, which is that making prototypes, take things, taking things apart, creating new things, is a, is, a, is a different way of exploring the world. And um, that's what it's all about. And these days we've got extraordinary equipment to actually make people make things almost as sophisticated as a mobile phone. I mean, that's what's, what I think, if, People might think about making and they think of craft and they perhaps think of making a pot or, you know, um, sewing. And, and although these things are fantastic things, there is no, we're not saying that we're only limiting to that. We're, you, know, we, you know, you can make a molecule, you can make, you know, a new material, you can make a new gadget. These are all making things which are perfectly possible to do these days. We've got the equipment to do it and we've got the intellectual backup at UCL to do it. Normally I just bash around at home trying to, uh, trying to do things and bodge it together, but it's nice to actually be able to ask somebody who's tried, knows what's good and what's bad and steal their ideas.